the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. It is recorded in the book of John that Jesus once said, If he is lifted up, he will draw all people unto himself. Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension are all linked to this glorious exaltation, and it is a call made to the entire world. No class, social status, race, or gender is excluded from this declaration. That is why we lift up the name of Jesus on this program every day. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 20. We're going to look at some verses here, kind of skip around. The first verse is 1 Corinthians 9.24, where Paul writes to the church at Corinth, Do you not know, in other words, you ought to know this, do you not know that in a race, all of the runners run, but only one gets the what? The prize. However, run in such a way as to get the prize. If you're in the race, you should be running, striving to win that prize. And so the question is, are you running to win? Are you fully committed? Are you in it to win it? And if you go down to the very last verse of chapter 20, the very last verse, verse 38, you can see what grieved them the most, these elders, was his statement that they would never see his face again. And so... They're all hurting, they're all grieving because they know they're never going to see each other again. Look at uh, Acts 20, verse 22. He says, now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going on to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, he says in verse 24, I consider my life worth nothing to me my only aim my only goal in life he says i want to finish the what i want to finish the race and he says i want to complete the task that the lord jesus has given me what task was that he tells you the task of testifying the good news of god's grace I want you to go up there and see that phrase, finish the race. I want you to, if you have your Bible, circle the word finish. That word finish in the Greek is teleao. And it's a word that means to complete. It's a word that means to fulfill. For those of you that know your Bible, it is the exact same word that Jesus used on the cross in John 19 verse 30 When he said these words, which were his last words, it is what? Finished. 
On the cross, Jesus, as he dies, he's saying, I have finished my task of bringing salvation to the whole world. It is complete. My life, I have lived my life fulfilling God's purpose for me here on this earth. But in Acts chapter 20, as Paul is looking out to the rest of his life, he is saying, I too want to fulfill my purpose that God has for me here in this life. I too want to finish God's assignment for my life here on this earth. If you look at verse 21, he said, I have, de- I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. He said these words down in verse 26 and 27. He said, therefore, I am innocent of the blood of all men. What's that mean? He, he can say, he can, this is what he means. If anybody dies, I'm innocent of their blood because I have without question done everything in my power to help lead them to Christ. He says in verse 27, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. And as he looks back over his life, he says these words in 2 Timothy 4, 6, for I have already been poured out like a drink offering. The time has come for my departure And he says in verse 7, I have, see back in 1 Corinthians, he was saying, this is what I want to do. Now he's at the end of his life and he looks back and he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Number one, I have fought the good fight quickly. The Christian life is a battle. It's, it's, It's not easy being a Christian. Some of you think, I'll become a Christian. Everything's going to be rosy-dozy in my life. No, it's not going to be rosy-dozy. Now, there are always good things and bad things to argue over. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 26, What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeit his soul? You keep fighting to see men and women get saved. Some issues aren't worth fighting over. Fighting over a parking spot? is petty (laughs) fighting over your neighbor's barking dog it's not worth getting upset over fighting over the fact that your child got a b when they should have got an a it's not worth arguing over nobody cares Fighting over the fact that the line at the coffee shop is just too long and too slow. Relax. There's another coffee, 10,000 coffee shops around the corner. Relax. You're wasting your time and energy on so many small things that don't really matter when you could be fighting for something really important like leading your friends or your family to Jesus Christ. That's worth fighting over. Paul said back in Acts 20, verse 31, he says, remember, he said those guys remember that for three years. I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. What is is he saying? He's saying every day for three years, every day that I was with you, I was teaching, I was warning, I was, I had this, he was crying, he was so involved emotionally in their spiritual journey. Number two, quickly, I finished the race. The Christian life, you got to get this, it's a marathon. It's a marathon. Run in such a way as to get the prize. 
It's very important that you as a Christian see yourself in a race. If you're saved, you're, you're supposed to be running as though you're trying to win. Again, that's 1 Corinthians verse 24. There it is again. And you need to know this, that the race that we run, it is not a 100-yard dash. It's a 26-mile marathon. Being a Christian is hard. It takes work. You have to endure. It's a battle. It's a race. Now write this down. The race begins the day you got saved. Whatever day you got saved, you should know what day you got saved. If you don't know what date you got saved, maybe you're not saved. You should know the day, you know, you know when you were, the day you're born physically, you should know the day you're born spiritually, right? So the race begins uh, when you're saved. Your race ends when one of two things happen. One is when you die, or two is when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Now, when the race is over, when you die, at that moment, it's too late to go back over your entire life and undo anything that you did. You can't say, well, I wish, I, I, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish, I wish I'd, I wish I'd been in the, I wish I, I wish I would have read my Bible more. I wish I would have praised God. I wish I would have led my neighbors to Christ. I, I wish my family members would have been saved. I, I wish I would. I wish I would. I, you can't change anything. That's, that's why right now when you're in the race, you need to run it to win it. You're in it to win it. Right now is the time to run. Right now is the time to sprint. You say, well, I'm tired. Okay. When you get to heaven, you can rest. Right now, we don't, have, we don't have time. There's too much at stake now not to give my all. The big important truth is that when you're in this race, as you're running, make sure you always keep your eyes on the prize. Don't be looking around at everything. Just when you run, you can't run. You can't run if you're looking backwards. Paul wrote these words to the church at Philippi. He said, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of this, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I strain toward that which is ahead. I press on toward the goal, which is to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Some of you have to stop looking backwards at things that have happened in your past and things that have happened in your life. God will give you grace. He's going to give you strength. He'll let you overcome anything in your past. Whatever is in your past does not need to hold you back as long as you continue to walk towards the prize which God has called you to walk. The Hebrew writer said these words, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance. Uh, the Bible says the race that's marked out for us, verse 2, fixing, 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What that means is, as you're running your race, you just keep your eyes on Jesus. And you look and see what he endured on the cross. That he died for you. That nails went through his hands and his feet. They threw that spear in his side. They beat his back. They plucked his beard. But he didn't quit. He didn't give up. He just endured. And as you're running this race, yes, bad stuff's going to happen to you. But just keep your eyes on Jesus. And the fact that he endured will help you endure whatever you're going through. Number three, I have kept the faith. The Christian life is a mission. He said, I've kept the faith. That means, and I want you to write this down, it means that he made a, he made a step, he pledged his life to full allegiance. That's what that word, I've kept the faith. I, that nothing is going to deter him. In other words, Paul stayed true to his devotion all the days of his life. Even when he, at the end, at the end of his life, when he was in that, that prison, dark, rat-infested, smelled like a sewer, he still witnessed to the guards that chained him. He still witnessed to the fellow prisoners that were in there with him. He still was writing letters that you and I read today in our Bible because to the very end of his life, he was going to be fully devoted. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, he says, I have worked much harder. I have have been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus the one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from the rivers. I've been in danger from the bandits. I've been in danger from my fellow Jews. I have been in danger from the Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city. I've been in danger out in the country. I've been in danger out at sea. I've been in danger from false believers. I have labored. I have toiled. I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Here is a man committed to fighting the good fight, finishing the race, keeping the faith, and finishing God's assignment. Most of you know my dad. He's in hospice care. And, uh, you know, since we've been in this building, he hasn't been back here. About half of you have never even met my dad, but he used to be this. He was the greatest preacher. He, I'm not saying this because he's my dad. I, you, you, and even you don't know what he was like when he was in his 40s and his 50s. Most of you met him when he was in his 60s. He, 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 he was the greatest preacher when he was a young man that, that's ever walked the face. He just the way he preaches, and it's just, there's no one like him. But he's, he's now 87 years of age, and he's in hospice. And... Um, I told you last week when I was 15, when I dedicated my life to become a, a, a preacher, and I'm 61 today. My dad was 17 when he, when he dedicated his life to being a minister. He went to church camp, and this is why all of you need to make sure your kid goes to church camp. Just make him go. You're going. 
I don't care what it costs. Cut off an arm. Here it is. It's your. I'm, you're going. But anyway, um, he said this guy was preaching, uh, and he was the only kid who stepped forward. But at age 17, he said, I, I want to be a preacher. And now he's 87 years of age. Now, I'm not very good at math. Those of you are not very good at math. That means that when he made that commitment, he's been preaching for 70 years. Now, he... He works up at my brother's church. David is up in Fresno. And he was supposed to retire. They tried to retire him. But he won't leave. <laughs> and uh, he won't give up his office. And he just, he still tries to show up when he can. If he can find someone to go get him out of the nursing home, he'll go to the office. And uh, I didn't tell the other church, the other services this. Uh, he says he's writing a book. And, and, and the name of the book is Shut Up and Listen, Fathead. <laughs> and uh, he works on it like every day. And, and uh, my sister said, what is that book about, Dad? And he goes, it's about raising children. <laughs> Shut Up and Listen, Fathead is the name of the book. But anyway... He, uh, he's 87, and he still, he still wants to preach. So he's in the nursing home, and he says to my brother, I, I want to preach. You've got to let me preach. I want to preach. Dad, you can't even stand for about 10 seconds. How are you going to preach? So they came up with this plan. This was last Thanksgiving, and they took him from the nursing home. They took him up to the church, and they just they were going to film you. They were going to take up an offering for Thanksgiving, and just, they wanted him to talk about being grateful. And so they said, you just say whatever's on your heart, and, and we'll film it, and we'll show it to the church. My buddy, my friend, took him up for the filming, and I asked him, how did it go? He said, Dudley, it was terrible. He said, he talked for like an hour. You couldn't understand a word he said. <laughs> but then he said, they edited it down to four minutes, and he goes, it was really good. <laughs> so I want to show you this video. He's 87. It's the example that when you give your life to Christ and you make a decision to follow him, you want to be committed to that all the days of your life. You can't, you can't keep him quiet. Let's watch this video. Have you heard the good news? Good news. Oh, I've got good news. My Savior hath done all things well. He's conquered over death and hell. That's the news. That's the news. Now, whenever anyone may ask of you, what's the news? What's the news? You just tell them that you are marching in Christ's band. You are under the Lord's command. Ah, that's the news. That's the news. Well, I'm so happy to be here today. My, 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 my. You know, people tell me all the time, it's good to see you. And of course, I respond, well, it's very good to be seen. I just uh, want you to know that this is a humbling experience for me. I love preaching, but I'm hardly able to preach. And uh, I just uh, wanted to thank all of you for being here. I wanted to tell you how much it means to me. I want to thank some people. First of all, I want to thank my son, David. He's been a minister here for 25 years and has built this thing into an exciting church. I'm fortunate because I have the most wonderful family in the whole world. My dad uh, 
was never in the Bible college, but he became a great preacher. My mother is just a wonderful, the most wonderful Christian. Then, of course, I have my kids. I love every one of them, and uh, they have all pleased me. Two of them are girls, and they have both married preachers. And the other three are boys, and they're all preaching today. My wife is probably the most wonderful person in the world if the world would take a vote. She doesn't miss prayer meeting or church. We have three services here every weekend, and she attends every one of them. I wouldn't, but she attends every, every three services, and then she has three Bible studies during the week. And she doesn't miss, though I would be remiss if I did not mention the wonderful members of this congregation. This is one of the most loving congregations in the world. You know, you can't imagine, unless you were inside of this program, how much work and how great love the people extend to one another. Now, don't you think I have something to be thankful for? And I'm sure if you look, you're going to find in your life things that you never set down and honestly counted. You know, we should all be grateful for this great land that we live in. A poet one time searched all over the world for the perfect place to live. But after many years of searching, he came back home. And he said, so it's home again, home again, America for me. Well, I'm awfully uh, glad that I'm alive and God has blessed me. I uh, don't mean to seek for sympathy, but the last five years, I've had a pretty tough go of it. If you don't mind, I'll just give you a little list. I'll just take a minute, but I've had two knees replaced on the very same morning. How about that, folks? And then I had part of my colon removed. I've had four different hernias. I've had uh, Parkinson's now for 10 years. You can probably uh, identify that right now from just watching. I've had three cancers. We're going on the third. No, I'm ready. I've got more illnesses. You know, I uh, have thought a lot about the inevitable crisis of the human body. And, uh, you know, I'm not near as bothered about it as you might think, because I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to see him, see the one that I've always dreamed about. I hope that you'll begin to realize during this Thanksgiving season that no matter what happens, you are still blessed. You're blessed by the Holy Spirit of God. God bless you. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 
888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. We live in the most distracted culture in the history of the world. We see about 10,000 messages every day. We even touch our phones about 2,000 times a day. We're literally being overwhelmed with information. That's why there's no better time than right now for Dudley Rutherford's remarkable new book, One Thing, Rediscover a Simpler Faith in Our Complicated World. In this timely book, Pastor Dudley invites you to open your Bible and look closely at seven key passages of Scripture where you'll find the beautifully uncomplicated phrase, One Thing. These scriptures will quiet all the noise that you're hearing and call you back to a simpler faith. Dudley Rutherford has discovered the secret of how to focus our lives on the one thing that matters. What if you could find that simplicity? It's waiting out there, and this is your roadmap to freedom. Contact Lift Up Jesus today and get your copy of One Thing, the book that could finally change everything. Hello, friends. My name is Dusty Frizzell, and I want to invite you to our Thursday night service at Shepherd Church. That's right. We're adding a fourth service. Worship service starts at 7 p.m., and it's for all ages. We'll be following the same sermon series as the weekends, and you'll hear from myself, from some of my friends, and even from Pastor Dudley. So if you'll be gone on a weekend or you just want to open up some seats for others on the weekends, join us on Thursdays at 7 p.m. I hope to see you there. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.